Miracy. Showing is really powerful, right? It makes it a lot more concrete and easy to understand. You can envision yourself doing it if you see someone else do it. And it's also cool to demonstrate things live because then people can see like she's doing it on the spot, right? This is not some elaborately scripted thing. It's a real thing that anyone can do with practice. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy. And I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today's guest is a good friend and colleague who I've had the pleasure of working with for a very long time, very closely, Lisa Bloom. Lisa is the founder of StoryCoach. She's one of Miracy's master coaches, and she is the director of our ACES Business Acceleration Program. Lisa, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, I mean, you, Abe, and I all go like way back. We've known each other for like a decade. But for our listeners who may not know you, um, who are you? What do you do? Tell us the story. Sure. So StoryCoach came out of an attempt for me to rediscover what I wanted to do in the world after coming out of a corporate career and reluctantly going into coaching because I wasn't sure it was a real thing at that time, but also realizing that I kind of discovered storytelling and felt like there was a really interesting connection between story, storytelling and coaching and began to play with that, to play with this idea of how do we discover and create the reality around us through the stories we tell on the one hand, and then also realizing in the coaching world that coaches were just not that great at talking about what they do in a compelling way. They weren't telling a good story. And so I saw that there was a gap and a possibility to help people tell better stories so that they could attract clients, so that they could really show up in a different way in their business and be more compelling to their ideal clients. That's kind of where it started. And almost immediately with courses, because I was at a point in my life where I didn't want to be out traveling anymore. I didn't want to be in the corporate world. I had a young family, young kids, and it just made sense to try and do something online, even though I didn't quite know what that meant at that time. So how did that idea of, I don't want to travel, I want to do something online, I think an online course, whatever that may be, is the right answer. How did that then translate into your first online course? And then how did you evolve from there into, I know there have been many iterations since then, Tell us about that journey. Right. Well, initially, and this is kind of going to age me and the work, initially my online courses were through tele-seminars, if you remember the day. It wasn't video. It was just phone calls, essentially. And it was putting together materials and somehow using email and maybe using some shared documents to get materials out. That's really where I started. But what I understood early on, and I understood this actually through my coach training, was that it was possible to create a really powerful learning environment and even intimacy in a situation that was that was virtual, which seemed impossible. And to me and to everybody around me, people would say to me, you're crazy. Like, how can you expect to sell things and actually have a coaching practice if you're trying to do that overseas and with people around the world? So that's where it started. But then with time and with technology, everything became more accessible, more cheap to do things, more affordable. And of course, daring to turn on the video, you know, daring to actually show up made a big difference. And so that evolved into different iterations of courses. But very early on, I got a fantastic piece of advice 
from, in fact, the organization that I learned coaching through where they said, you know, maybe you should align yourself with other organizations. So for example, one of my earliest courses, I got accredited by the International Coach Federation, and that gave me both the courage and the legitimacy to go out there in a bigger way and put this course together. So that's an area that a lot of people have questions about, how can I get my course certified, accredited, delivering CEU points, etc. What's the process for doing that? Was it incredibly hard or how did you make that happen? Yeah, it really is not as difficult as people imagine. And of course, there are different levels of accreditation. There's different organizations. But essentially, as long as you know what the criteria are, you can both suit the course that you're building to the criteria or just keep in mind the criteria as you're building out your materials. As long as it aligns, it's a matter of giving them what they need in order to assess your materials and paying a fee, of course. That lends you a certain amount of credibility and an attention from whatever industry you're trying to get into. So suddenly with an accredited course, people were interested in having me on training at conferences and so on. So I got to speak at a lot of different conferences in the coaching world and go on to all kinds of webinars and training sessions. And it really helped that I had this program that people were interested in hearing about. And how do you find out what the requirements are? Is it just on their website or do you have to call people? Is it, is it finagling for them to finally let you in on the secret? No, not at all. It's more simple than you could imagine. The criteria is out there. It's very simple. From the coaching world, we're talking about the core competency model, which is on the ICF website. And the criteria for having an accredited program, they're very helpful. If you want to find out more, you can just connect with them. And just recently for a program that's coming up, I went through the accreditation because my program has changed over the years, obviously. And they were super interested in, in hearing more, you know, is it the same? How has it changed? And guiding me to what I needed to do, giving me all the right links and, and making it easy. Yeah. So it's much simpler than I thought. And it's much more impressive than I thought it was going to be when I started talking about it. People were like, oh, wow, that sounds amazing, as if it's this incredibly complicated process. And it's involved and you have to make an effort and you have to really understand your materials and understand the connection, but you know, you can't fake it. You've got to make sure that it actually does integrate with what they're trying to teach. But once it's aligned, it's pretty straightforward. Awesome. So, you know, it's been a long journey. You've been producing online courses for a long time. Um, full disclosure for anyone who's listening, we bought your business. So your story coach business is part of Miracy now. And now today, like fast forward, you have two main program lines, right? Selling through story and story power. Tell us about those two programs. Sure. So selling through story speaks to what I discovered early on when I would go to all these conferences and I would talk to people, both coaches and non-coaches alike, and I'd ask about their business. And they just were really stumbling and, and not able to articulate what they do in a compelling way. And I realized that actually, if you can tell a good story, in lots of different ways, whether it's in a sales conversation or whether it's on your website or in your webinars, in the books you write, when you tell a good story, it's much easier to sell. It's almost like the selling happens by itself. So the Selling Through Story program teaches people how to really uncover their, their inner storyteller, you like find their ability to tell stories because we can all tell stories and we are all telling stories, but we don't realize and we have these ideas about not being very good at it or whatever it may be. And there are specific techniques that you can understand how to become a better storyteller and then how to apply it to your business in all the different ways. 
So that's what selling through story is about. It really deals with the outer story, the story that we tell others, the story that we put out into the world so that people are drawn to us and to our business. And what I discovered along the way was actually there's the inner story. And the inner story is all about the story we tell ourselves. And very often we can have all the techniques in the world and all the expertise that we need, but our inner story is somehow not quite aligned and it sabotages us. Story power as much as it has a self-development, personal development component, it's professional development. It's about skill building for coaches, right? Absolutely. It's really about looking at how do I become the coach I want to be? How do I build the business that I most desire to build? Because if I have all the systems and the processes and the techniques, but my inner story is stopping me, then I'm not going to get there. So story power is about, on the first level, really understanding what are the stories that are holding me back and how do I transform them? And then for people who are as just amazed and empowered by this as I think they're going to be, they're also going to want to be able to do that for their clients as coaches, to be able to help their clients transform their whatever they're trying to change. Because I do believe you know, the need for coaches is bigger than ever before. The demand is out there and yet coaches are still struggling. And many people would say that's because they don't have the right systems or they don't have the right knowledge or they don't have, you know, whatever. I believe we're not, as an industry, we're not transforming people well enough. We're not being able to give them the results they want. And part of that is because we're not helping them get to the level where they can transform their stories and then go out there and do the things they need to do and meet their goals. So the second level of story power is actually a story coach certification program, which will be certified by the International Coach Federation. It's in process right now. And we're going to be able to help people understand how to get their client transformation in the way that will give them the kind of results that they've never been able to get before. Well, I guess, can you talk about two aspects of that? And we can take them in either order. I'd be interested to hear more about how that process would apply to online courses. So if people are looking to deliver their transformation, through online courses, how can they use these techniques? So maybe we can start there, but then also like to talk later about how do you help people develop these skills through the facilitation of an online course? Because it seems like that could come with its own challenges too. So it's kind of two sides of the same coin, but interested in your thoughts on both. Yeah, well, I think coaching as a profession, the modality is not as important. You can do it through online courses. You can do it through one-on-one in person. You can do it online. I built my business from day one online. So I had clients all over the world and it's online. And so I really believe in the kind of hybrid model where it's not just you put information up there and teach stuff, but you're actually having a lot of interaction and you're having an experience. You're really providing a learning experience and a learning environment for people through the course. And so to be able to get to the story level, the inner story level, it's going that level deeper. And there's a way to get to that through the kinds of interactions we design in the program. But I think for coaches to be able to get the kind of outcomes they want for their clients, they're going to have to get to that level. And you can do that online and through a course just as easily as if you're in the room with somebody. I think I answered the first part of that question. And the second part, and correct me, <laughs> you know, tell me if I, if I haven't, but this, the second part is really about the hybrid aspect. So yes, we have the flipped classroom. We have all the pieces that need to be taught so people can learn the methodologies and learn the processes in this way, in this kind of technique of story coaching. 
But then the course also includes live sessions. It includes peer interaction. It includes journaling. It includes like a lot of different aspects that are going to deepen the learning so that people get to do the work first for themselves and then learn how to do it for others. I don't think that the model of, you know, let's throw some information out there is ever going to achieve that kind of transformational outcome that we're looking for in this program. But the combination of all the different aspects is incredibly effective. And in the same way, years back, I thought, wow, it's interesting that through like even just a phone call with a bunch of people around the world, we can get to this intimate learning environment. And part of it was facilitation and part of it was the materials. Now we're realizing the technology allows us to do so much more. And all those different aspects allow us to get to a much deeper level, which is what is critical to this work is we can't do the superficial work because people are not getting results from it. You have to get to the level of story so that we're actually transforming the way people are showing up and how they're integrating their inner and outer stories. Yeah. I wonder if you could go into kind of more like nitty gritty detail on some of those course design and facilitation aspects you'd mentioned, because I'm sure people listening are curious about the, what does this actually look like and how could I do it in my own courses? So open the kimono a bit on uh, those techniques you mentioned, like the peer interactions, the journaling, how do those actually work and how do you make them really effective? Well, there's a few things. One of the things that actually jumps to mind first, which I didn't mention, but I think is really effective, is in our Q&A sessions, it's not just a matter of, okay, you've reviewed the materials, let me answer your questions. But I actually love to do demonstrations as well and to do laser coaching sessions. And so what happens is I might demonstrate a laser coaching session, but then I'm going to pull people out of the audience and have them practice. Um, initially, that practice session with feedback is very, very informative, both for them and for everybody listening. But it also, they're then required to go to their partner, their buddy within the program, and to have practice sessions, and then to reflect on those sessions and to journal that reflection and submit it if they want feedback. And also for the certification part of the program, they'll need to submit the work they're doing. So it's the combination of the peer interaction where they get to discuss and, and come up with different ideas about the materials. But then there's also the practice sessions because this is coaching. We want people to actually have the experience. Okay, I'm doing this coaching from the story coach perspective. And that's when they figure out what's working and what's not working. And I found to people's surprise that laser coaching sessions can be incredibly effective. And I'm talking 10, 15 minutes per person to do a coaching session. It's amazing what can be uncovered if you've got the right techniques that hopefully you'll have learned through the materials and through the questions and the practice. So you're demonstrating the coaching techniques via that laser coaching session in the group. Right. And then they'll go off and practice, journal, reflect, and come back with it. So there's, it's multi, the learning experience is multifaceted. It's not about, okay, I'm going to absorb this information, ask a bunch of questions, and then figure out how to do it myself. They're actually practicing as they go along. And even, you know, that's on the certification level, even on the story power level, the kind of exercises they're going to be doing and submitting for feedback, for sharing, for interaction, and for conversation within their small groups that they'll be assigned within the program gives them really an opportunity to see their own patterns in their inner stories and also learn from other people and, and how they're handling the inner stories and learning how to transform them. And then the journaling. You say a little bit more about how you use the journaling method and is there like particular ways to set up, do you give people specific journaling questions or prompts or is there a flow to that that makes it work well? Yeah, I think that journaling 
is really just kind of out loud reflection, right? I think that study without reflection is not as efficient, it's not as effective. And you can have reflection through conversation, through questions and answers, but I think your own reflective time to write that down is really, really helpful. And so I encourage people to, with prompts, to think through what they're learning, to think through their experiences, and then to share them, to share not necessarily what they've journaled, but to share the insights that they've attained from the reflection and journaling process. And yes, it's, it's you know, weekly prompts and an invitation to share the insights from, from those prompts. Any, any particular tips or tricks in terms of, like if someone wanted to integrate journaling into their own courses, but they weren't sure what to ask students to do or what a good prompt would look like, any suggestions? Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be, and this is the same, by the way, with story assignments. You can't ask somebody to take on something too big. It has to be something really small and relatable. So rather than say, okay, tell us an impactful story that happened in your childhood, and that's a really hard thing to come up with very quickly, you can say instead, you know, what story did your grandparent tell you before? You know, think of a specific time and place and what was the story they told you and kind of give a lot of details. And with journaling, it's often, it's often a matter of, you know, looking at whatever exercise you've asked them to do that particular time and understand what's the common response to that exercise and then ask the question about that. So did you find this difficult? Was this easy? Why do you think it was easy? Where does it come from? So like there's a lot of little prompts. It's almost like a, a little voice that accompanies them through their reflective process. Some people take to journaling, they love it. And one of the things I think is super important is not to require them to journal, you know, you've got to do two or three pages. It's like, write down three sentences. Everybody can write down three sentences, but the process of getting it out of your head and onto the page or onto the screen is a whole different process. It's the same in storytelling. The story that's in your head is very different to the story you write down, which is very different to the story you tell out loud. And so I, I like people to recognize that the, the, the reflection is in their head, the journaling is on the page, and then hopefully they're going to get to the point where they can tell that as a story. And it will become part of the repertoire that they use in the stories that they're developing through the program. Cool. Yeah. Any other questions, Danny? I don't have anything else. That was really good. Perfect. All right. Abe, do you want to do the readout? Lisa Bloom is the founder of Story Coach, a federation of coaches fluent in the language of story. You can find out more about her over at storycoach.com. That's story-coach.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. Abe, where shall we begin? Yeah, lots to talk about here. I definitely want to get into some of the specific kind of course design tools that Lisa is using. So I think those are quite interesting. Also thought it's, it's just interesting that kind of a theme with some of our guests has been the move towards teaching these softer and more abstract topics that traditionally you might've thought of as something that needs a lot of in-person interaction or mentoring online, right? So getting people, for example, to examine their inner story online or refine their storytelling and speaking technique online, it's just cool to see that working and show, again, the, the power of online courses as a method for reaching people. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there were a few takeaways for me on the course design side. 
you know, Lisa described the course as multifaceted, and there's a lot going on. There's the flipped classroom, there are the lessons, there's the group coaching, there's the peer-based interactions, there is the journaling, there's the laser coaching. But I think it's worth noting that it, it is very multifaceted, and there's a lot of best practices kind of thrown in there, but they're also very well integrated, right? One flows to the next, flows to the next, flows to the next. So there's there's redundancy, one thing builds on top of the next. And there's also an opportunity of, you know, this one doesn't work for me so well, I'll just skip ahead. And there's still a strong net to catch the student and keep them moving forward. I thought that was really well-designed and well-implemented. On the business model side, what jumped out to me was the whole discussion around accreditation and how often we avoid things that seem amorphous or that we just don't know what the contours of it are. But it sounds like this is one of those areas where for the right course creators serving the right target customer, spending a few hours digging into it and kind of figuring it out could be very, very powerful in terms of the acceleration it could bring to the business in terms of the credibility, in terms of the additional value factor, et cetera. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I mean, a couple of techniques, at least this year, that I think people listening can take and apply are, first of all, the demonstration method. So she described integrating into her group calls, you know, not just like teaching and Q&A, which would be more standard, but making sure that she's actually demonstrating the techniques to people. So sharing an example of effective storytelling or showing how you would coach someone, you know, using these story techniques. I thought that was a really good reminder, right? It's not that we're not aware that demonstrations are helpful, but I think those often get left out of many courses, right? It's often easier to just start with kind of here's a framework of what you need to learn and then a description of techniques or ideas. And you might not get around to kind of showing it in action, but showing is really powerful, right? It makes it a lot more concrete and easy to understand. You can envision yourself doing it if you see someone else do it. And it's also cool to demonstrate things live because then people can see like, oh, this is like, she's doing it on the spot, right? This is not some, you know, elaborately scripted thing. It's a real thing that anyone can do with with practice. So I thought that was a cool takeaway. And then also journaling. I mean, we often talk about the importance of reflection as in learning and integrating that into online courses, but sometimes we don't have specifics on how to do it. So I thought Lisa's guidance on a, integrating journaling into the course, that's a, a practical way that anyone can build more reflection into their course design. But also her guidance that you have to be careful not, as with content, right? You can't overwhelm people with reflection. You have to break the journaling exercises down into small approachable bits that people can actually do, get their journaling done and move on. Otherwise, you're going to have the same problem if you, as where you give people too much content and then they just get stuck in the course. Awesome. I don't have anything else. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Danny Eaney, founder and CEO of Miracy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Lisa's podcast, Once Upon a Business. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govardson assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. Another thanks to Lisa for coming onto the show today. Remember, you can find out more about her over at storycoach.com. That's story-coach.com. And to make sure you don't miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. 
And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a star review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind the scenes kind of thing. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. So while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah. Because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And, and I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, You do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me.
This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. Why, are you stopping the recording? This is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.